you seem to be that kind of type of person like me, you know, they're always quick on the go, shooting away with the things, you know, wasn't that what happened with your first book, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with those typos? Oh my God. Tell yes, us. yes, yes, yes. So I'll just, I'll, re I'll reveal that. Yeah, I, I have such a, an expressive kind of um, spontaneity, perhaps, and excitement about just sharing things that with my first book, Susceptible to Light, um, when I put it out, I, I sent it out to the world before getting a copy back for myself. And when I got my own copy back three weeks later, it had um, over 50 pretty like glaring typos in it. And um, which I it was a real kind of, uh, you know, I, I just needed to, a lot of my poetry is about embracing the, the mess of ourselves and, yes. and, uh, and loving that. And so that I got, I got a taste of my own medicine there. I'm Alexandra Kreis, and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. In my own search for self-understanding, I have met people from all walks of life. I bring to you a taste of these encounters. Hey, welcome to Outer Travel in a Journey. My name is Alexandra, and today on my show, I have Shilan Harkin. Hey, you. Good Hi, Alexandra. Thank you. So good to be here. As we know, you probably have want to have the hard facts about my show guest today. So here we are. Uh, Shilan is 33 years old, and she is living in the Pacific Northwest with her husband and two kids. So Noah was responsible for all those typos. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, Noah, we take it back. We take it back. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> and uh, Shilan, she has published, self-published two beautiful poetic books. And one is called Successful to Light. I, you know, I did that a million times and now I don't get it right. It's a hard word. Susceptible. Yeah. Susceptible. Yes. There we go. The yes. <laughs> and letters dance. And so, you know, what drew me to me, it was the poem on Facebook and that we finally have a female roomie. Amongst oh, us. thank <laughs> you. Oh, those words, Alexandra. Those are good words to hear. <laughs> Yes. So, and it's so, you know, that's why I feel so honored to have you. I'm all for, you know, like women need to be heard. We have so much, we have such a hard time to get our voices through, right? Yes, absolutely. And interestingly, like before I published this book, I, I really had a, a mountain of, of limiting assumptions about how it, and fears about how it might be received. Mm -hmm. And one of my assumptions was that male voice poetry by a male voice would be more respected. And I, I considered um, taking on a male pen name, <laughs> but I'm so glad I did not do that. And what would have been that name? What would have That's you a good chosen? I wish I had a, it probably would have been, I don't know, really, it, I don't, I don't know what it would have been. It probably would have been a kind of out there name. Who knows? But Shilan, where does that name come from? It's not quite common, at least not here in Europe. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's an unusual name everywhere. It, uh, it's a, it's a lake in Washington State. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. it means deep water. 
Well, there you go. And Deep, you have put us with your books. I mean, really into the depth of our own mess, as you said earlier. And so well, you know, so well written. So you call yourself an ecstatic, mystical poet. And how did you stumble across that? What a good question. Well, so I, um, I took a poetry class in high school that, that introduced me to the, my love for poetry, but I was my um, relationship with myself and writing was very, at that time, very um, tense and tight and con contracted. And I, I cared a whole lot about, you know, the approval of others. And I was very much looking at good poets uh, in the outer world who had been successful and trying to kind of mold my voice to look like theirs. So it wasn't genuine. It wasn't, I hadn't opened to that. And then a few years later in my early twenties, I was in just a very, very acute time of just inner despair and turmoil. And, um, and the basis of that was that I felt like I had no access to any real authentic part of myself and no channel for expressing expression of that. And um, I decided I'm surprised actually that I had even the wherewithal to do this in such a like troubled place, but I decided to create an experiment for myself in which I, um, I gave myself permission to write a, what I called a bad poem every day for 30 days. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, on the second day of that experiment, I showed up at my, at the computer lab at my college and this, this poem just barreled through me in this completely, completely different way than, than it, than, than anything it ever, it was a, it was a completely different paradigm of experience with poetry coming through and it came through as fast as I could write it and it didn't need any editing. And I was like, whoa, what, what just happened? So that was the beginning. I think just giving myself permission to step outside of the, what I call the paralysis of perfection. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and these binaries that make us so limited of right, yeah. wrong, success, fail. Exactly. All of that. So I just got out of that. Uh, this little experiment kind of nudged me out. And, um, and with that first poem that came through, it was as though a new kind of channel just was oh had opened up in me and so now since then all the poems that come through um they just they come through like that so I never sit down for writing time or whatever I just yeah. live my life and then and then poems come through <laughs> beautiful so it's kind of directly from the source as we would say you know in the spiritual world yeah. it kind of comes through and I feel yes. that and cool I'm now, so glad you do I do. I mean, when I read it, it was like bang straight in my wow. face. And because I've mm. been working myself with the divine and kind of emptying out and opening up yes. away from the sense of perfection, as you say, yes. I've, maybe that's why it landed so well for me. But yeah. it took me so long to, to get there. And, and there's certainly sometimes the frustration around that. What do you think has made you open? Because you said, like, I'm going to go away from that. Or were there other practices that opened you up to receiving, you know, and being less judgmental? What a wonderful question. So I feel like um, I, I hear that a lot from people, some, sometimes surprised, like uh, that I often say that like one of the the biggest 
like blessings in the aftermath of my life so far is just that I came into a place of really unbearable um, inner pain quite young, like very young. And so I had to st start scrambling for a new way. And um, yeah. Can and you share so, your pain or is that something that's not happily, or, happily. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because I, I think that the base of it is just um, actually just being very sensitive to um, so I, I think all humans at the core, our essence, our spirit, you could say, really wants to live in a world that is unconditionally loving and liberated and authentic and truthful and beautiful. And then we come into this world and, you know, in this stage of human development, we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think really at the core for me, it was just that conflict of um, really hungering for, for that kind of experience in the world and in connection with others. And, and I felt um, it just, it just hurt more to be uh, distant from that. And, and then in relationships, we, we learn how to really live a lie with each other mm -hmm. and to just mm -hmm. be in facade and mm -hmm. these sort of roles. And I don't know, for whatever reason, all of that was just so painful for me. <laughs> it was unbearable. Really? Yeah. It was, it was unbearable. So I needed, I just desperate, I was, I desperately needed to um, just access a, a place of inner truth. And um, so that really began for me around age 14. <laughs> really? just the, yeah. Just the sort of the, the uh, that profoundly uh, oppressive nature of my kind of my deepest truth, not being um, the, not living by within connection with that primary really direct question here is like mm -hmm. what where would you have stumbled across that you can't tell your truth in can you tell us a scenario or a way people dealt with you what was that for you it's something i've been trying to write about um and and get really clear about and i haven't fully found the the way yet but it's good to explore so i i think about um when we open our just sort of the, the inner experience and what we share with others becoming more and more aligned, you know, and, and I, I guess I think of it more as um, for me, my, my path into kind of what I would call an essential self or my inherent light or whatever has really been the path of um, being honest about the just really mostly about the pain in my that I carry. And then that opens up and it kind of clears the way. And um, so I would say that just being more honest and open about really what's going on at an emotional level, like speaking about our, our struggles and our, and, and just knowing that our relationships are, that we'll still be loved and we'll still be worthy if we're struggling that is so hard for us to accept right i mean because yeah. you talk about the age of 14 and the age of 14 is full of insights while it's also full of hormonal yes. blast of the yes. brain yes so as an adult you know watching a 14 year old daughter i can also yes. see like oh this is just a phase you know like don't right. listen to it but 
if I do that to her, she feels like, you know, I'm going over what, you know, that sense of what's going running through her at that moment in time, and I'm not taking it serious. So yes. are we talking about that kind of truth that we take people serious in their pain and their acknowledgement, how they see the world? How do you see that? Mm, these are such good. This is really helpful exploration, Alexandra, for me and just getting more clear about what I mean. I, I you know, I think I, that's just something I need. I'm going to think about more. I'm going to think yeah. about that one. Why not? Yeah. We don't have the answers. That's not about it. Because yes. it's so difficult. But yeah. let me say that to whoever's out there, you probably have noticed and listening. So you probably have yeah. noticed the truth because it was sometimes just a pain in your pit of the stomach when you heard it. It's, oh, it's so true. It hurts, you know, or yeah. it would be something like where you would just stop for a moment and all your racing thoughts, they yes. just simply stop. That's how I know I'm, I'm hearing the truth often for myself, you know, the uh -huh. truth, you know. When somebody yep. speaks the deep truth, it comes from a state of being in integrity with yes. their emotions. That's what it feels like to me. And maybe mm. that's what you were talking uh, about a little bit. Yeah. I think to be truthful is to be really re responsible for ourselves, not to say you're an asshole. Like that's not necessarily yeah. true, you know, yeah. like, but, but really what's going on? Like, where are my judgments coming from and, and what caused those judgments? And then to present that, with an open, openly and vulnerably, really, yeah. I feel like is more um, genuine, genuine. Exactly. And because I know that, you know, like in America, a lot of people go to therapy and in Europe, we don't have that as frequently. And this coin phrasing of when you say that, I feel like that has become another way of hiding, right? We're yeah. not talking about that either. We're talking about being really vulnerable with that emotion that you have and not coining it when you say that yes. and just kind of stick with your yes. own you know whatever it is you're yes. experiencing yeah and then alexander you asked me though about just practices any practices that have supported me so so this poetry thing kind of cracked open in me which was just an amazing surprise really um and then uh, a few months later, though, I discovered uh, hypnotherapy oh. and uh, received, I, I was still deeply struggling. I had this new connection with poetry, which was helpful, but I was still very much in the, in the dark. And um, I had this, this first session with hypnotherapy and that was really, that was the turning point in my, in my life. And what it did was it basically it, it, put my whole system, my whole being in a, in a state of such profound, profound safety and relaxation yeah. that my consciousness or my sense of self was able to sort of sink down. Uh, it, it was like it had been caught in all of these old narratives about who I thought I should be and how I had to act and behave in the world. And it was just able to like relax and and I truly had an experience of the, of what I call just this essential self, inherently healthy, happy, and whole, and worthy of love and acceptance unshakably. And so from then it became really easy to move through all of this, the, the energy and the emotions of this old kind of, uh, uh, just all my old baggage because I didn't identify with it anymore. So I, yeah. I could, so it was a, a real transformation process began there with yeah 
Beautiful. I mean, I know about hypnotherapy, but maybe people out there don't know. Can you give a yes. rough description of what you do in hypnotherapy? Yes, absolutely. And I worked as a hypnotherapist for a decade. So, ah. um, yeah, so it's very, so the hypnotic state, it's a naturally occurring mm. state. Mm. Um, and so it's just sort of using that naturally, it's, 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 it's helping people access that, that naturally occurring state, which is just a very beautiful beautiful, deep, secure place of relaxation to access um, subconscious information, which is just information that we store on a deeper level that really drives a lot of our thoughts and our actions, but um, that we're not really in touch with often, which is so interesting. So it helps people access what's really going on in there and really connect with just our powerful and innate healing capacity as our body knows how to heal on its own. So too, does our, our psyche and our, our nervous system know how to heal, but we need to be in the right environment for that healing to occur. So yeah. it's this profound, uh, and, and pr profound and tr it's transformational potential and also profoundly gentle, beautiful experience. And it's changed my life. Yeah. So is this your brick and motor or however you say brick, uh, you know, like what you do in your day-to-day -day life as well, hypnotherapy, are you offering or? Mm, yes. Good question. I, I was for 10 years and, but when I published my books, I, I, I fully stopped. Um, oh. Well, when it became, seemed that it was going to be vi viable financially to just write, I really completely switched gears And um, so, no, I'm not giving sessions at all anymore. I feel completely done with that. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that part of your life. What I noticed in your narration here is that, you know, with 20, you got your insights on how to access that voice as a poet yes. or as a mystic. Yeah. And then, you know, like we're talking 13 years later. So how, how did you bridge that, you know, from coming from that first perception of I can write to wanting to publish yes. and was your first book so successful that that was the point where you skipped? So question number one, <laughs> I go back. I asked too many questions. I love it. No, you're great. great. <laughs> question number one, let's go with that. So how, why was there such a big gap until your first publishing? Such a good question. Yes. Yeah, so I, after that first poem came through in the way it did, I just, quickly developed a quite a huge collection of poetry and always had this fantasy of publishing my book, but it very much felt like a fantasy. And I had what I call fairy godmother syndrome, mm -hmm. which I, I wanted a publisher to just discover me without me having to move through the vulnerable and ambiguous and complex process of me moving forward with that. I just wanted to be discovered and have my work kind of you know, spread widely and celebrated without, without having to do any hard work of my own. <laughs> and really, um, my poetry was my most precious, my experience of the way it came through um, was really my most precious and intimate and personal um, and satisfying spiritual connection point in my life. And I, I so I was just very very insecure about how others, how other people would relate to it. And I felt really uh, vulnerable to the opinions of others because it was just so precious to me. I, I wanted to protect it really is what I think it was. I just felt this, 
really deep discomfort, which I now interpret as I, I needed to move forward in being seen and, and being truthful and coming out and with my poetry and all of that. And interestingly, just right at that time, a, a dear friend who I hadn't been in touch with for ages reconnected with me. And this person and I just have this somewhat magical, ecstatic unlocking kind of creative, mutually creative unlocking way with each other. And just in that connection, just it really started activating this, this process and, and activating this real desire to, to take this more seriously. Oh. So that was kind of the inception of, of that. And then do you want to hear more? <laughs> and then we can yeah. maybe skip forward. So it's not too sure. long a story, of you know, course. like, and then you exactly. kind of came across self-publishing, I, I suppose, right? It's one of these kind of things we notice these days. It's hard to get yeah. a uh, publishing house to mm -hmm. grab mm -hmm. your attention. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of, I had a lot of, uh, sort of judgments about self-publishing. I, I thought it was the lesser way and I thought that it wouldn't reach many people and I had all of these assumptions. And then um, I just decided to reach out to all the people in my life I knew who had publishing experience because I didn't know the first thing about moving forward. And one of the women um, was so generous and she was an international best-selling self-published poet twice, wow. two times over. And, mm. and so she really validated that, that path for me mm -hmm. of just moving forward and and that was that was essential um yeah. to hear from somebody who had had such a wonderful and successful experience and then and then it was like the reins were in my hand and then I set a goal for myself to self to put it out within three weeks so it had been 12 years no progress and then in three weeks I had I had published this book were they all poems that you already written or uh, the, what was part of the publishing uh, process for you? Was it writing new poems or? When I made that goal that I would publish in three weeks, the first thing I did was buy uh, a copy of this. Are you familiar with Hafez? Yes, He's of a, course. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So my favorite my favorite poetry and, and it's been a huge inspiration for me. So I bought one of those books because I wanted to really just copy the formatting in those books. Yeah. And I had this sort of strange impulse to try this experiment with prayer. And so I would go on night walks and I just decided to chat with Hafez and ask for inspiration. And Alexandra, it was wild. Like it was just this playful experiment. I didn't know what was going to come from it, but I had this it was like this torrential flow of poetry. So in those three weeks, about half of the poems in this book yeah. came from those three weeks of my chats with Hafez, asking for spare information. Wow. So for those who are yeah. only listening, uh, yeah. Shailan is holding her first book, Susceptible to Light. Can you show it a little bit more into the camera so we can see it? Oh, yeah. It's the first edition. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I have the other one. I have the one, let us yeah. stand, because that's nice. a big 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 theme for me so i'm holding this into the camera um let Thank us you. dance um yeah, yeah. can i can i can yeah. i share one yeah. more piece about that story yeah. which is yeah. of course so yes. go ahead. fascinating so then the the experience of inspiration from this funny prayer experiment was so it was so notable that i thought okay i'm gonna take this to the next level and i'm gonna start asking hafez for marketing help <laughs> Why not? Oh, there was wow. a why the hell not attitude. And I just said, Hafez, just tap everyone, you know, in the spirit world and tap everyone in this world and let's get this book going. So 
I, yeah. And, and three weeks into that, Alexandra, I get a message in my inbox from Daniel Ladinsky and Daniel found my book and wrote to me and said, Shalane, this is weird. I never do this. Um, but I just, I found your book and I needed to reach out to you. And I was like, what the hell? And I just sent him this really unfiltered message telling him all about that. And I sent him a poem that felt particularly inspired by Hafez. And then he responded to me saying, this is so extra weird. I think Hafez nudged me in your direction. I'm a reclusive poet. I never reach out to anyone, but I feel like you and I need to co-collaborate on a, on a book together. Wow. So that oh was just the God. most wild experience of my life, Alexandra. And that's when things really took off and just all kinds of incredibly unexpected ways. That is such a wild story. If you don't believe in the mystery, mysterious yes. world, you know, like you yes. should now when you listen to that. That's yes. so, well, I, yeah. It's so, it's nuts. And I mean, I'm a self-published poet. Um, I didn't think people even liked poetry. You know, I, I, I had all these ideas. I had no marketing support at all, nothing. And I knew almost, I knew no one really in the publishing world. And so it's just been a, an incredible journey yeah i love it we Double. just talked about this my husband and i about the parallel universes because sometimes i say something to him and later yeah. on the person we talked about will pick it up as if they were just sitting with us in the car this just happened magically yeah. earlier, you know and he says this is because he likes quantum physics and all that you know like with the higher yeah. Uh, physics and he was saying wow. like this is what they call a parallel universe you know we do actually that's kind of confirming to me we live in parallel universes you know but yes that's a total different story I think <laughs> I know but it, it does reveal I mean I have a skeptical mind actually for all mm -hmm. of my kind of wild experiences with the with the kind of the, what you could call the mystical realms I have a some skeptical a skeptical mind and so this I just felt like it whacked me over the head like there was no de denying that there's something going on and that they're just inter we're interconnected yeah. and um when we speak what we want it really activates and mobilizes something it really can amazing yeah that's what you're saying you know about the truth you know as soon as mm -hmm. we step into the truth again and again and again and yeah. we use people that we like hafiz you know and i would use somebody else to yeah. who had this divine or you know connection already as a human being then it'll help yeah. us to 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 move deeper into that that's my own experience too as a finish off to this conversation, would you like to read us a poem, whichever would, feels appropriate at this point? I'd love to. Thank you, Alexandra. I'll read this poem that um, that went very, it went wildly viral. Yes. And um, I'm so grateful for it. Um, it. Came through on just, I was going on a little stroll around my neighborhood and in popped this poem and um, it's called The Worst Thing. The worst thing we ever did was put God in the sky out of reach, pulling the divinity from the leaf, sifting out the holy from our bones, insisting God isn't bursting dazzlement through everything we've made a hard commitment to see as ordinary, stripping the sacred from everywhere to put in a cloud man elsewhere, crying closeness from your heart. The worst thing we ever did was take 
the dance and the song out of prayer, made it sit up straight and cross its legs, removed it of rejoicing, wiped clean its hip sway, its questions, its ecstatic yowl, its tears. The worst thing we ever did is pretend God isn't the easiest thing in this universe, available to every soul in every breath. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, like Sharon Osbourne would sing, what if God was one of us, you know, <laughs> just a slob like us. <laughs> and, you know, just like it could, these meanings, they come through, you know, and songs come through like that. And I really yeah. love what you've just um, said, you know, it's just the whole idea. I come from a very strong yoga practice, you know, where it feels exactly like that. You know, you sit upright. You know? Yes. Yes. leg you know and then you will reach god and some people do i think you know let's not be too too daffy about it but i think like some Good people point. reach through bhakti you're preaching bhakti this is like a term for love you know like mm -hmm. universal love and other people reach through discipline and they also have reached him i think you know or her that's a very good point that's a very good point mm. yes yes mm. you're right yes so thank you so much for your time Shailen. thank you so much that was, was awesome total pleasure total pleasure yeah. so grateful yeah and for the listeners out there i wanted to say really go if you admit people to your facebook i mean you allowed me in even though we didn't know each other and you will get to know Shilan a little bit more from her expressive side and anything you want to learn from her. I think you find a lot that you're, you know, you're, you're giving a lot through Facebook. That's what I noticed. Yes. So thank you. Absolutely. I love that. That's what my Facebook page is for really is connecting through this poetic expression. And I, I love, I'd love to connect with as many, as many as possible. So thank you so much. Thank you. Any yeah. anything you want to gift us? Um, maybe I mean you gifted us a beautiful poem, but is there maybe a word of wisdom, a pearl that you want to share with the listener before? Mm. We what a good goodbye? question. What just jumps to mind right now is um, is to is to start where we are with our with our sharing and our gifts and and our desires, and not wait to start gifting them to the world until they're perfect or until we have you know I don't know letters behind our name or until we like when we give what we love to the world just with an energy of of love um that it, it starts to it has such benefit and uh and it starts to evolve that that process and evolve our gift because we start to get feedback and be in relationship with it and so I just urge people to, to not wait too much and that there's really a gift in sharing things when they're in process too, before they're just completely, you know, all tidied up necessarily. And um, so I just, I've met a lot of people along the way who have waited years and years and years to publish their book or to share their writing or to put their songs into the world. And I just say, begin, begin now. Yes. Yeah. Play creative, be creative. Yeah, just yes. do and see and if it comes from you know your own truth that's what we're talking about yes absolutely thank well, you so much alexandra 
Thank you. Have a beautiful afternoon or morning Thank for you. you. Yes. Bye bye, everybody listening, and bye. see you on the next show.